You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, hello, my friends. Come on in. Sit yourselves down. Hope you're all well. Nice to be back. Hope you've been utilizing your time well, unlike these people. Recently, in a big eastern city, a group of trained men and women called on thousands of housewives and asked this simple question. What kind of container do you prefer for the food you buy? Hmm. Well, that was time well spent. An overwhelming majority of housewives said they preferred to buy food... Packed in glass. Okay. Among them were a great many mothers of small children. And by a ratio of more than eight to one, these mothers said they insisted on prepared baby foods packed in glass. They gave many reasons, as you might expect. But here are the three reasons mentioned most frequently. First... Glass lets you see what you buy before you buy it. Second, you can heat, serve, and store leftover portions of prepared baby food in the same glass container. Oh, my goodness. This is going to be good. Anyone want to have a guess? I'm going to say that young mothers like to have glass handy in case they get into a bar brawl. And third, these young mothers agreed that sterilized glass containers are cleaner and more sanitary. The bar brawl was definitely top five, though, I think. You can buy an increasing number of the better brands of food packed in glass. And all of the better brands of prepared baby food come to you in anchor glass containers sealed with tamper-proof anchor vacuum caps. Both products of Anchor Hawking. My mother thanks you. My father thanks you. My sister thanks you. And I assure you, I thank you. Wow, so many thank yous this week. Been a busy couple of weeks. First up, thanks to Malcolm from APOC Radio, who interviewed me about this show and my secret history of Hollywood show. Here, catch this freaking Canterbury, Malcolm. Canterbury. If you want to hear that interview, then I'll wedge a link in the show notes somewhere. Go and find it if you want to know more about things over here. To the marvellous Baby Geniuses podcast, who recommended the secret history of Hollywood on their wildly popular show. Thank you, ladies, and have a Canterbury. Canterbury. To Mr. Uli Walther who emailed me to say he enjoyed A Universe of Horrors and actually lives not far from the real Castle Frankenstein. Blimey, O'Reilly, how do you put up with all that lightning? Maybe this Canterbury will help. Canterbury. Steve from Bear Alley Blogspot, who wrote recently not only about the new secret history, Bullets and Blood, but also about the fact that he received a Canterbury on this show. Well, guess what? Steve from Bear Alley Blogspot, have another one. 
In fact, have a Frank Spencer Canterbury. Canterbury. To Leslie Newey, who has gone above and beyond to donate to this show. Absolutely so determined was Leslie Newey to donate to the upkeep that I received a cheque in the post. <laughs> Goodness me, thank you, Leslie. Take a Candybury man. Who can take a rainbow? Wrap it in a sigh. Soak it in the sun and make a strawberry lemon pie. Cause he mixes it with love and makes the world taste good. There'll be no new year for you. John Leavitt, who wrote a ridiculously popular article on The Toast about movie moguls from years gone by and who was kind enough to credit the secret history of Hollywood while doing so. Props to you, sir, and please find enclosed a hard rock Canterbury, or as I like to call it, a metallic Canterbury. Actually had quite a few emails in the past fortnight, one of which was from my Aunt Sally, or should I say my favourite Aunt Sally, who told me that she and my Uncle Mick have started listening to this podcast and quite liked the Oval Team bit. Well, hello to my family members out there. You know, <laughs> Smokey from A History of Misunderstanding made a very good point once. He said that podcasting is very odd because strangers will roll up and listen to what you're doing, no problem. But just try and get a family member or a friend to listen and it's like pulling teeth. So I'm extremely gratified to have snared a fellow roach household without even trying that hard. So to you, my favourite Aunt Sally and my favourite Uncle Mick, hello and welcome along. Everyone here is very, very nice indeed. Further to this startling development comes the news that not only are they new listeners, but my father has also heard an episode as a result. This is obviously a worrying development for me, as I have in the past on this show done quite unflattering impressions of him that he may end up hearing now. <laughs> Ooh, uh, looks like I won't be inheriting that collection of replica lightsabers now. But, hey, Dad, if you're listening to this, I love you very much, you crazy old man. Another email from Carly Richards, who says, Can I please have a you-have-failed monk for my boyfriend Dylan, who watched The Brighton Strangler and didn't like it. Heresy! How can you not like the Brighton Strangler? He walks off a roof by accident. Yes, Carly, I most definitely think that Dylan has failed. So, Dylan, hold out your hands. You have failed, monk. Another one here from Amelia, who lives in Jaenne, or... I think it's the Spanish one. I'm sure I'm pronouncing that incorrectly. My apologies. Amelia writes, Thank you, Adam, for keeping me company during the last few months as I went hiking. I listened to all your Attaboy episodes and then listened to all of the Secret History of Hollywood episodes. The last one made me cry very much, especially the story of Sam and Lena, because I have just found out that I have an abscess in my tooth and now I am worried. Ha ha, ha ha ha, love from your big fan, Amelia. Well, Amelia, I'm hopeful that doctors have a better grip on abscesses and the like now, but best of luck for your upcoming treatment anyway, and don't worry too much. 
Suki wishes you well with your abscess too. Yes, I wish you well with your crab stress. Yes, thank you, Suki. I'll be thinking about you while I clean myself. Right. So. While I clean myself between the legs. Yes, thank you, Suki. Ladies, when you buy milk, remember that no other kind of milk has as many uses as carnation. So many uses. Carnation for cooking. Carnation for coffee. Carnation for baby feeding. So, three uses then. Carnation evaporated milk. No other milk has as many uses as carnation. You can use it for most cream purposes. You can use it for all milk purposes. Oh, I can do better than this guy. My goodness me, there are so many uses for carnation. You can trick your children into thinking their milk has gone off by pouring them a glass and telling them to drink it. You can throw it in the eyes of burglars. You can pour it onto fires to put them out. You can have a bath in it and pretend you're Cleopatra. Simulate wintertime by pouring it all over your garden path. And why waste money trying to attract flies with expensive flypaper? Simply paint your walls with carnation and attract millions of new pets to your stinky home. Well, this week I decided to step into criminal territory a little because I spotted among my collection three very curious crime-themed movies. Interesting for all sorts of different reasons. First up in our criminal bonanza, The Hatchet Man from 1932. A hatchet man, as you may already know, is someone who, in business terms, is sent to perform a disagreeable task, such as the firing of employees, etc. Well, the origin of the term comes from China in the late 19th century, where a hatchet man was an assassin sent to dispose of a group or Tong's enemy, literally with a hatchet. And it's this type of hatchet man that the film is set around. It opens in Chinatown at the turn of the century, where the most feared hatchet man of the local Tong, Wong Lo Get, is set to dispose of Sun Yat Ming, who's suspected of murder. The problem is that Wong Lo Get and Sun Yat Ming have been friends since childhood. Sun Yat Ming, a murderer? Why, we were boys together came over on the same boat from China. This scar, you see, is a bond of our blood brotherhood. His and mine. I can't do this thing. Don't you understand? You must get someone else. Someone else to do your sworn duty? Your arm is not your own, but the tongs. And an oath to the tongue is an oath before your honourable ancestors. Having sworn complete allegiance to his Tong, Wong Lo Get carries out the murder, but before he dies, Sun Yat Ming forgives Wong Lo Get and asks him to take care of his daughter, Toya, as she grows up. Flash forward to some years later, we're now in the 1930s, Wong Lo Get has become a respectable businessman and has kept his promise. Toya has grown up into a beautiful young woman, so beautiful, in fact, that he's fallen in love with her. She ends up marrying him out of a sense of duty, 
but she's secretly in love with a no-good gangster, Harry N. High, and when she's forced to make a choice between the two men, she goes with her heart. There's the prayer which I offer to the Buddha the night you promised to be my wife. Now you must offer one. My wife's happiness is now in your hands. I'm giving her to you. Come, Menhai. The prayer. Your oath. And if you don't keep it, the great Lord Buddha will find you no matter where you are on the face of this earth. However, news one day reaches Wong Lo Get that Toya has been cruelly betrayed by her gangster lover. And dusting off his hatchet, he begins the task of seeking a violent revenge. So, a 1932 film then, which means we're smack bang in the middle of pre-code Hollywood, and you can tell you have adultery, drugs, and a pretty shocking killing carried out with a hatchet. Also, it's not the kind of film you should watch if you're easily offended by casual Hollywood racism of the 30s. Even the opening crawl, the printed prologue, if you will, is very, very racist. It's... Not helped by the fact that although the entire story is set in and around the Chinese culture, features nothing but Chinese characters and is actually set in China for some of the film, it doesn't feature any Chinese actors, not a single one. Wong Lo Get is played by Edward G. Robinson, who <laughs> squints a little bit and has a ponytail, but basically is just Edward G. Robinson in an oriental gown. Then you have J. Carroll Nash as the best friend he's forced to kill, doing perhaps the funniest impression of a Chinaman I've ever seen. He hunches over a little, and he walks on his tippy toes, and he basically squeezes his eyes shut, and misses out every other word in a normal English sentence. This tea is from home, in China, my brother. It tastes and smells of the green hilltops where we were boys together. Tell me what brings you here so mysteriously. He even does that thing where he joins his hands together in front of himself when he walks. Quite hilarious. He also has a Ming the Merciless moustache. Anyway, check this glittering cast list out. You have Leslie Fenton. Englishman Leslie Fenton, that is. As Harry N. High, the gangster. You have Dudley Diggs as Nog Hong Fa. You have Charles Middleton as Lip Hop Fat. I think... (laughs) I think they got these names by throwing a dart three times into a Scrabble dictionary, by the way. Curiously, though, Toya is played by Loretta Young, and despite the rest of the cast looking as though they were trained in how to be a good Chinaman by Donald Trump, she does a very good job. I honestly didn't realise it was her, and even now I'm still quite wowed by her makeup. Of course, it wasn't unusual for Hollywood to make films about Asians using only white actors. It was just something that happened back then. And if you can get past the fact that they all look like they're in a really racist school play, then the story is actually pretty involving, especially later, when Wong Lo Get finds himself in disgrace for having let his wife go off with another man and must redeem himself by picking up the hatchets again. It's a pretty nasty little conceit, really, to be murdered in such a messy way. And although I was pretty sure they would do a decent job of concealing the actual hatchet deaths, there is one particular moment that actually took my breath away, not only because it was quite gruesome, but because it was so unexpectedly shocking. Anyway, a very curious film. If you're a pre-code crime film fan, do search out The Hatchet Man. (laughs) 
Next up, a film that completely stumped me for all kinds of reasons. This is King of the Underworld from 1939. So let me lay out the ingredients and the basic plotline for you, and you tell me where you think this is going. You have Humphrey Bogart as a Napoleon-obsessed crime lord named Joe Gurney, who, when the film opens, is awaiting news from the hospital where one of his main guys is being treated for a gunshot wound. The physicians treating him are crusading husband and wife doctor team Niles and Carol Nelson, played by John Eldridge and Kay Francis, who are young and bright and talented. They successfully operate on Gurney's man, and in gratitude he calls on their shabby little hospital, where he finds the idealistic Niles alone. You, Dr. Nelson? That's right. I don't get it. What do you mean? The guy with a pair of million-dollar hands in a dump like this. Oh? Yeah, you're wasting your time down here. You ought to be uptown in a big dough. Who are you? A friend. What's the difference? Andy, tell me you don't get paid for that work you do at the hospital. No, I don't. What do you want? Nothing. You already done something for me. You took care of one of my boys. And I'm the kind of a guy that appreciates a favor. Five hundred dollars? Yeah. There's plenty more where that comes from. So there's your setup. You have a seemingly white knight doctor being offered a large sum of money by a notorious crime lord. What's going to happen next? Well, of course, he's going to do the noble thing and turn the money down, because that is what white knight doctors do when Napoleon-obsessed crime lords offer them money in a 1930s crime film, right? Wrong. He takes the money. What's more, he gambles the money on the horses, because this white knight doctor is actually a bit of a shambles. He's a gambler. He doesn't really care about his patients, and he's always rolling his eyes when his ridiculously attractive wife tries to put him back on the straight and narrow. Pay the butcher's bill? No, that's peanuts. What'd you do with that $26 you won the day? Well, I'll tell you, I... I know. You played the horses again. Now, as I don't like it, a physician playing the horses is cheap and petty. It doesn't add up. Now, don't get excited. And when you do win some money, the least you can do is pay a bill. What's more, he gets shot to death within 10 minutes of the film starting. What is going on? This isn't following the usual Hollywood narrative, so you expect that the film is now going to become a treatise on loss and the evils of criminal corruption, right? Wrong! No, old Carol Nelson is pretty much over her husband's death in two scenes' time. In fact, by the 30-minute mark, she has a new boyfriend. He's a mild-mannered author from Britain who for some reason is hitchhiking across America and who just so happens to hitch a ride from Humphrey Bogart and also just so happens to have written a book on Napoleon, which puts him in square with our Napoleon-obsessed crime (laughs) I doubt very much if you're still with me, but if you are, then you will never guess what happens next. In fact, you know what? I won't say, because it's totally worth finding out for yourself. It's as mad as a box of frogs. But for that very reason, it's eminently watchable, because you won't be able to guess where it's going. Bogart is great as the uneducated crime lord with delusions of grandeur. Well, can I take it or can I take it? You can take it. Some people aren't sensitive to pain, especially moronic types. Hey, you hear that, Slick? I'm a moronic type. Yeah? Hey, what's that? I don't know. Some kind of a medical name, ain't it, Doc? Sure. 
Kay Francis is also great as the whip-smart heroine, and James Stevenson is great too as the mild-mannered hitchhiker. They're all great, and it's a great film, and although I suppose it comes under the crime umbrella, it's also one of those rare films that, once watched, is a little more undefinable than most of its gangster brethren. Plus, I think it must be the only film from the 30s that I can think of where the villain is defeated with eye drops. Loved it. <laughs> Lastly, a walk into the shadows with an altogether more chilly film. For all you listeners who've become patrons, you'll know that the first patron episode featured me waxing lyrical about the director Henry Hathaway, who was a fantastic thriller director who generally based his films on true stories and managed to inject a real sense of menace and claustrophobia into his stories with his insistence on shooting on location, mostly using the actual scenes of crimes. His films were an incredible blend of tension and realism, almost a heightened version of real-life shockers. Well, in 1947, he took a trip back to fiction and made the film Kiss of Death. You know why you're here? I'm supposed to squeal. You know what you're going to get on this rap? Fifteen years. Maybe twenty. Maybe I can help you. Look, you're wasting your time. Those records you got there ain't complete. It should say I was offered a deal by another assistant DA if I squealed. I took the full four years. I'm the same guy now I was then. Nothing has changed. Nothing. This is the tale of Nick Bianco, a career criminal who takes the rap for a dual robbery committed by himself and two of his accomplices. When he's asked by the district attorney, Luis D'Angelo, who else committed the crime with him, he refuses to give the men up, and as a result, he's imprisoned for 20 years. Well, three years into his sentence, he learns that his wife has committed suicide and that his two young daughters have been sent to an orphanage. He soon discovers, however, that one of his accomplices, a man named Pete Rizzo, had visited Nick's wife and had raped her, which had sent her into a downward spiral. Having been betrayed by the men he'd taken the fall for, Nick finally agrees to cooperate with the district attorney and agrees to become a stool pigeon for the DA's office if they'll allow him to be released so that he can take care of his children. Unbeknown to Nick, though, his crooked lawyer, learning of Pete Rizzo's rape, has employed a sadistic psychopath called Tommy Udo to track Rizzo down and kill him, so as to restore honor among thieves. <laughs> For a nickel at bread, stick both thumbs right in his eyes. Hang on till he drops dead. <laughs> Imagine me in on this cheap rap, big man like me. Picked up just for shoving a guy's ears off his head. Traffic ticket stuff. I actually can't tell you any more than that because it will ruin an impeccably paced, masterfully plotted chiller that I absolutely insist that you watch this very instant. 
Noir thrillers of the 40s didn't tend to get as low down and nasty as this. Audiences couldn't have taken this amount of brutality too often, I don't think. But its shocking nature is what gives it such power. It's a remarkable film. It's more Jim Thompson noir than Dashiell Hammett noir, if that makes sense. It's a very dangerous film, almost squalid, but blindingly human at points. Aside from the brilliantly conceived story, which treads into some very inky shadows, you have a spellbinding cast. I'm not a fan of Victor Mature in general. He always seemed a little bit wooden to me, and I find his voice very monotone. But he was born to play Nick Bianco. It's by far his greatest performance in a film. He is just the right amount of stoic and granite and terrified. I cannot fault his performance here. Similarly, you have Brian Donlevy stepping out of B-movies for a while to play a world-weary DA. Colleen Gray as the girl trying to help Bianco reignite his family. Carl Malden, Taylor Holmes, great cast, some really great faces, full of character. But they are all blown completely away, and then some, by the quite unbelievable screen debut of Mr. Richard Widmark. Yes, this was his first film, and he stars here as one of the most disturbing screen villains ever. <laughs> you think a squealer can get away from me? Huh? <laughs> you know what I do to squealers? I let them have it in the belly. So they can roll around for a long time thinking it over. His Tommy Udo is one of those film creations that don't just thrill you throughout the running time, but etch themselves deep onto your subconscious and give you nightmares for months to come. No surprise, I think, that many consider his laughing psychopath to be a clear inspiration for the Joker from the Batman universe, and not the old camp Joker played by Cesar Romero, but the more sadistic modern Joker from recent adaptations. I must actually just comment quickly on one of his earlier scenes in which he's trying to track down Pete Rizzo and visits his family apartment, only to find his wheelchair-bound mother who lies as to his whereabouts. You're worse than him. Telling me he's coming back. You lying old hag. Well, Yudo sniffs out the lie and decides to punish the old lady by binding her to her wheelchair with an electrical cord and pushing her down the ragged steps of the apartment building to her death, laughing the whole time as she smashes her way to the bottom. <laughs> no! No! I'm taking Let me go! No! On a train, huh? Hey, where you going? No, no! This is why no one is square. Not outside! I can't move! This was 1947. You have an old lady in a wheelchair being horribly murdered by a laughing lunatic. You have rape, murder, drug use, gut-churning tension, and all directed by the incredible Henry Hathaway on real streets, in real apartments. There is no gloss, no glamour. The grit and the danger seep in at the sides of the screen as every minute passes. It's a wonderful film, one that easily stands up against any modern thriller of recent years. Seriously, do yourselves a favour and track down 1947's Kiss of Death. If you're a fan of the macabre and of that gut-churning feeling you get when your heart beats a little too fast, then you'll absolutely love it. 
Well, guess what? Kiss of Death was only adapted for the radio by none other than the Lux Radio Theatre. Now, before you get too excited by such a marvellous prospect, do be aware that this is a slightly abridged version, and I do wholeheartedly recommend that you scurry away to watch the film in all its glory straight afterwards. That said, this is a very good retelling of the story and features none other than Victor Mature, Colleen Gray, and the downright extraordinary... Richard Widmark in their original roles. So without further delay, pull up your chairs and allow me to present Kiss of Death. New York City, the criminal courts building, the office of Louis D'Angelo, assistant district attorney. You can sit down, Bianco. You know who I am? What difference does it make who you are? Never mind getting price, Bianco. All right, you're the DA. Assistant DA. Nick Bianco, age 29, indicted for grand larceny, armed robbery, the Peacock Jewelry. Why can't I have my lawyer here? Mr. Earl Hauser? Because I want to talk to you alone. Go on, then. Talk. You pulled your first job 12 years ago, Nick. You were 17. 60 days in the city reformatory. You've gone a long way since then, haven't you? What are you trying to get at? I want the names of those three men who were with you in the Peacock holdup. Get smart, Bianco. You know what this rap will mean. Six years, maybe ten. But it's possible I can help you. You want me to squeal? You're wasting your time. I've had offers before from the DAs, and I haven't changed. You have changed, Nick. You're married now. The parole officer says you have two kids, two little girls. That could change things considerably. I said I haven't changed. Sometimes I think those doctors are right. All crooks are crazy. Imagine a guy with two little girls. Shut up. Oh, he don't like that. How old are they, Nick? I'm interested in kids. I've got four of my own. Me? Here. Here's the picture. Can I look at your pictures? What pictures? Pictures you've got in your inside coat pocket. Uh, go ahead. Look at them. Hey, beautiful kids, Nick. Yeah, cute, huh? No man's lucky to have kids. But having a father like you, I wouldn't say, is very lucky for them. No, Nick, your kids haven't had much luck. Look, I'll take care of my family my own way. By keeping your mouth shut? By going to prison? Do you know why you're doing it? Because you've got that good old hoodlum complex. No squealing. Go on, let your kids starve, let your home go to pot. But don't squeal on someone, no good mugs who wouldn't turn a finger for you. I hate crooks. Then why waste your time on me? Because a guy who could have two kids like that isn't a crook. Stupid, yes. On the wrong foot, yes. But he isn't one of those mugs that don't belong to human society. Those kids are two normal, decent little human beings. Give me that wallet. And no crook could make them that sweet. You're coming up before Judge Halstead. He'll throw the book at you if you don't cooperate. I said no deal, D'Angelo. And don't ask me again. All right, she'll be taken downstairs. Tell Mr. Hauser I'm sorry you had to wait. Yeah, me too. If you should change your mind later on, Nick, let me hear from you. Remember my name and get in touch with me. I'm your insurance policy. You don't ever give up, do you? I usually do. But I tried a little extra hard this time. So long, Nick. Hello, son. So you've been talking to D'Angelo, huh? You don't have to worry. Good, Nick, good. Your word's all I need. Not that the boys were worried you'd squeal. So, did they pay you? Everything's been taken care of. Good. Now, uh, I don't want you to expect very much in court, son. We have no defense at all. So what do I do? You trust me. 
Even when the judge gives you the works, just stand pat and rely on Earl Hauser. <laughs> That's when I really go to town. On the parole? It may take a while, but I'll get you out, Nick. You won't serve a third of your sentence. Have you seen my family? Yes. And don't worry about your kids. They're fine. Good. You can rely on me. They'll be taken care of. Thanks, Mr. Hauser. Thanks for everything. So you're Nick Bianco, huh? Oh, you're a big man. I'm Tommy Udall. Yeah. Imagine me in on this cheap rap six months, big man like me. Picked up just for shoving a guy's ears off his head. Traffic ticket stuff. You talk too much. You mean these dopey cops here? Just because we're handcuffed to a couple of cops, I should shut up? I don't even know the sitting here. A real tough guy, aren't you, Tommy? Yeah. Hey, Nick. Nick, today's my birthday. Yeah, today. Congratulations. No kidding. And I tell you something, big man. I never spent a birthday with a better guy. Yeah, sure, sure. Cheer up, cheer up, big man. It's my birthday party. We get a free feed tonight. Look, I got a lot of free feeds coming. Eight years of free feeds. You never learn, you guys. You just never learn. Hey, Gord. Gord. What's the matter, Bianco? This, this letter you just gave me. Yeah, what about it? Well, look, look at the envelope. It says, party no longer at this address. That, that's crazy. She's got to be there. That, that, that letter's there. That's the one I sent my wife. Did you ever think she might have moved? Look, I wonder why she didn't write me. She hasn't written me for a month. It, it just doesn't what make sense. What can I do about it, Bianco? Relax. Hey, Nick. Nick, did you get me worried about your wife? No. Watch it, Al. We shouldn't be talking. It's okay. I'm supposed to oil the machines. The kids, you know. She knows how I worry about them. She ought to write. You know Harry Cooney, don't you? What about him? He's in again. I just saw him. Here in the shop now? Yeah, that's right. Look, Al. Get to him. See if he knows what's happened to my missus, will you? I'll try, Nick. I'll try. Thanks. What did he say, Al? Did, did Cooney know anything? Take it. Wife, she's dead. Dead? What, what happened? He didn't know. Me. That's all he could tell me. The kids. What's going to happen to my kids? Prison Library, Russell. Number 8, 106, 180. Nick Bianco, permission to visit the library. Yes, sir. What time? 3 o'clock. He wants to look at some newspapers. 45 minutes. Yes. I'm through with the newspapers, sir. I found what I was looking for, and I'd like to go back to my cell. What's the matter, Bianco? Don't you like our library? For just a minute, all you looked at is newspapers. Old newspapers. Why? I said I found what I was looking for. Okay, you can go back to your cell. Check him out, Donovan. Old newspapers, huh? Hey, he left this one open. Said he found what he wanted. Hello? Uh, this is Russell, sir. Bianco's back in his cell. I thought you might like to know what he wanted here. Go ahead. It's an item in a New York paper dated last February. Marie Bianco, 28, mother of two small children, committed suicide yesterday in her flat at 627 Pearl Street. Miss Bianco's daughters, aged four and five, were taken to an orphanage. 
Neighbors said Mrs. Bianco had been floating over lack of funds. Got a visitor, Bianco. You know the rules. Ten minutes. Who is it, my lawyer, Mr. Hauser? She don't look like a lawyer to me. Huh? That girl down there. Oh, thanks. Hello, Nettie. How, how are you, Nick? Oh, I'm okay, Nettie. How are you? I'm all right. Nick, you... You heard about your wife? Yeah. I saw it in the paper a few days ago. You knew I was living with Marie and the children. In her last letter, she said you moved away. Why did you move, Nettie? We had sort of an argument, Nick. I thought it would be better if I got out. I... I didn't know about what happened to her until a couple of weeks ago. I met Mrs. Harris, you know. She lives across the street. She told you? Yes. Oh, Nick, I felt so bad about the kids. I went to the police station. They, they told me they'd been sent someplace. But they're all right, Nick. The kids? You saw them? Where are they? In an orphanage on Long Island. I was going to write and tell you about it, but then I thought maybe I'd better come and see you. I feel so sorry about everything. Tell me about Marie. She wasn't feeling so well when I saw her the last time. What did you fight about? I don't remember anymore. Okay. I don't. Honestly. Was she unhappy? Oh, yes. Drinking? Yes. Uh, anything else? No. No, oh, oh what no. What really happened, Nettie? You came here to tell me. Why did you change your mind? Was it about me? Marie was jealous. She always thought that you and I... No, Nick, no. Something else, then? Don't be scared of hurting me. Nothing can hurt me, Nettie. Oh, Nick. I think I know what happened. Marie and another guy? Who was he? Pete Rizzo. Rizzo? I had to come and see you. I don't know why. I'm sorry. I don't want to cry. Nobody's cried over me for a long time. Rizzo. When did it start? About a year ago. No, no, never mind. I don't want to know. Is... Is there anything I can do for you? Yeah. Would you see the kids again? Of course, Nick. They're such good kids. Tell them you heard from me and tell them I'm working in South America. Yes, Nick, yes. That's what I used to tell them before I moved away. You're all on your own now? I found a good job in a music store. I live uptown now. Just a rooming house, but it, it, it's very nice. I... Nettie, thanks for coming to see me. I'll write you, Nick. I'll write soon. Nettie, I... Bye. Nettie. Yes? Nothing. Go on in, Bianco. The warden will see you now. Thanks. Sit down, Bianco. You haven't been in here before, but I've had good reports on you. Something's gone wrong, though, I suppose. No, sir. Speak up, Bianco. What is it? Well, I used up all my letters for this month, but I'd like to send another letter off. They said I had to get special permission. That's right. Something urgent? Yes, sir. Very urgent. Whom do you want to write to? To the assistant DA, Mr. D'Angelo. D'Angelo? Better let me send it. He'll read it sooner. Yes, sir, you can send it. All you have to say is that Nick Bianco wants to cash in on his insurance policy. Nothing else? No, sir. He'll understand that. D'Angelo. All right, Bianco. I'll write him this afternoon. 
Bianco, how are you? All right, Mr. D'Angelo. You remember Detective Shelby? Yes, sir. So, here we are back in my office again. Only this time you want to play ball, eh? Yes, sir. I think that can be arranged. Pearl, something like that. Can I see my kids, Mr. D'Angelo? I'm pretty sure you can. Okay. Then I'm ready to talk. I want to know something first. We get a lot of offers from men in prison who feel they'd like to do a little squealing. Prisoners go a little cracked. Or they feel like a ride into town. I'd like to know what changed your mind after three years. Give me a chance to decide whether your story is reliable enough to go to work on. Well, when I got sent up, I told you my family was being taken care of my way. I was wrong. My wife killed herself. And my kids are in the orphan home. Okay, Shelby. Uh, about the Peacock jewelry job, who else was in on it? Eddie Williams. Big Eddie? Yeah. Who else? Tony Mangoni. Know him, Shelby? I know him. Who else? Pete Rizzo. Rizzo, huh? Who else? And me. What about Tommy Udo? Who? Tommy Udo. The tough boy. He was sent up the same day you were. He's out now. I never worked a job with Udo. Okay, who drove the car? Rizzo. Which one of you slugged old man Peacock? Mangoni. Yeah, if it's on the level, Peacock's a cinch to identify him. Maybe. Who was the fence you used on this job? I don't know. I was grabbed too soon. Who would have handled it? Rizzo. Would Rizzo have gone to the fence direct? No. You mean you'd call somebody first and he'd tell you where to go? Yeah. Who would you call? Earl Hauser. Earl Hauser. Another eminent shyster with connections. Nick, I better keep you down here in the city jail for a while. I, uh... I want you to go on cooperating with me. You mean... Go on being a stoolie? That's what I mean. Okay... If... If what? If I could see my kids once in a while. You can see them. When your pals get pulled in, they're going to be pretty sure you did the singing. I don't care what but they But I think. do. No sense in getting you killed. Now, one or two things we can do to throw them off. Uh, what's some job you pulled that you didn't get caught on? You think I'm You've nuts. got to trust me. Well, I... Thompson Fur Company. Four years ago last March. Were any of those mugs in on it? Only Rizzo. All right, Shelby. We booked Nick on the Thompson fur job. That's our excuse for bringing him back to town. And I take another rap Stop look... worrying now. Well, we'll drop the case later for insufficient evidence. But why? I'm just trying to cover you up. And I told you why. I want to use you again. And you've got to be in the clear with Hauser and everybody else who knows you. I'll send out an order to pick up Rizzo. No, no, no. Rizzo drove the car. The only one who could identify him would be Nick. And that won't stand up. Pick up Eddie Williams and Mangoni. Then the mob will figure that Rizzo's the stoolie and that we made a deal with him. You, uh, don't like Rizzo particularly, do you, Nick? No. Anyway, here's what you do. You get hold of Mr. Earl Hauser. Tell him about the Thompson rap. Tell him you think somebody squeals. Sure. Your side of the fence is almost as dirty as mine. With just one difference. We hurt bad people, not good ones. Yeah. And That's watch right. your step. Just watch your step with Hauser. He's a sharp operator. And remember, you're no good to me if he tumbles. He won't anything. tumble. When do I see my kids? I'll take care of that tomorrow. Thanks. Well, I'm a squealer now. Feel bad about it, Nick? I haven't any feelings, Mr. D'Angelo, one way or another. In 
moment, we'll return with Act Two of Kiss of Death. Meanwhile, here's Libby Collins, our Hollywood reporter. Who's in the spotlight this evening, Libby? One of the most fascinating stars in Hollywood, Mr. Keeley, Merle Oberon. Oh, yes, Merle Oberon. She's in RKO's new picture, Night Song, with Dana Andrews. Uh Uh-huh. He plays the part of a blind composer. With Ethel Barrymore and Hoagie Carmichael in the humorous supporting roles. Well, it must have been a lively set to visit, Libby. Oh, it was. You know, Merle Oberon, who seems aloof and exotic in some of her roles... I found to be the gayest, friendliest person you could imagine. She has a very appealing role in Night Song, too, don't you think? Yes. Yes, she plays a young socialite with a rare combination of sympathy and sophistication. Meryl Oberon is a truly glamorous person. Exquisitely lovely. And, uh, Mr. Kennedy, listen to this. She has very definite ideas about the right kind of complexion care. Well, then I'm sure that smooth, soft complexion of hers gets gentle Lux soap care, Libby. It certainly does. Lux Soap Facials, Merle O'Brien finds, give delicate skin just the protection it needs. She's used Lux Toilet Soap for years, for her complexion and for her bath, too. And, of course, now she's simply delighted with the new bath size cake. Yes, that big new bath size Lux Toilet Soap is getting rave notices in Hollywood. Screen stars love it because it gives lots of the creamy, fragrant lather that makes a Lux Soap bath a real beauty bath. The new bath size cake is available now to women everywhere. The same fine white Lux toilet soap, but in a generous larger size, specially created to make your beauty bath more luxurious than ever. Women love the delicate, clinging perfume of Lux toilet soap. And the new bath size cake has that identical flower-like fragrance. Here's a shopping tip for tomorrow. Buy the big new bath size Lux toilet soap. You'll see it in the familiar sampler wrapper. The whole family will enjoy this generous, big, luxury cake. Back now to your producer, William Keeley. Intermission's over, and here's Act Two of Kiss of Death. Starring Victor Mature as Nick Bianco, Colleen Gray as Nettie, and Richard Widmark as Tommy Udo. Nick Bianco has made a deal. He's bought his freedom at the price of turning informer. It's the following day, and with the assistant district attorney, Nick is at the orphan home waiting to see his two little girls. You know, I, I'm nervous. They, they may not even know me. They'll know you, Nick. You know, they used to jump up on me and grab my ears, and I used to... Say, what was the name of that sister? My sister Veronica. She seemed pretty nice, huh? Yeah, yeah. This isn't a bad place at all for kids. Here are your children, Mr. Bianco. Thank you. Well, go on in, children. This is your father. I know. I recognize him. Hello, father. Hello, father. Connie. Rosie. Sister Veronica told us you were coming today. You've been away for a very long time. Yeah, honey. You look yeah, I... different, Daddy. I thought you would have white hair. <laughs> no. No, I... Aren't you going to kiss your father? Oh, Daddy, Daddy! Let me kiss him, too. Let me kiss him, too. You kids, you... You kids. Mama got hurt, Daddy. And we waited for you and said prayers for you every night. And God sent you back. Sure, Connie. Sure. We're so lucky, Daddy. Of all the children, we're the only ones here who have a daddy. Nobody else has. Just Connie and me... We have a day. 
can't go back sometime, Mr. D'Angelo. I, I can't see him again, can sure, I? Sure, sure. Thanks. They're swell kids, mate. What I've done, it's worth it. Just to see him again, it's... Nick, as soon as we get back to town, we put you in the city jail. You call your lawyer. The Thompson fur job, right? Don't worry. I'll keep my end of the bargain. Your lawyer's here. Well, well, we meet again, Nick. How are you? Okay, Mr. Hauser. When I received your message, I dropped everything. Came right over. Thanks. Sit down, son. Sit down. Uh, how long have they had you here? Since yesterday. Well, we can say this much for it. It's a change, at least. I don't like it. Course not. Course not. Just making a bad joke. Yeah. You've uh, had quite a bit of trouble, I hear. Besides this, I mean... Wife. Maybe it wouldn't have happened if you'd done your job like you said. Your parole? Yeah, my parole. Well, I've been pushing it, Nick, and I'm going to get it. I gave you my word, and I still give it to you. I'm going to put that parole through. Now, uh, let's hear about this new trouble. Have they made any specific charge? Yeah. The Thompson Fur Company heist four years ago. Hmm. That's reaching back, isn't it? Somebody must have had it in for you. That's one way of looking at it. How do you look at it? Like you said, somebody's been doing some squealing. I see. Who's handling this upstairs? D'Angelo. Our old friend, eh? Think he's finally got hold of a squealer? That's what I think. Were you under suspicion for the Thompson job at the time? No. Ah. And who were you running around with in those days, Nick? I used to hang around with Pete Rizzo. He was your partner? Yeah. Rizzo was my partner. Pete Rizzo? Hmm... Did uh, D'Angelo mention him when he talked to you? Nobody mentioned his name. Oh, I don't think they've got much of a case when D'Angelo finds that he's not going to scare you out of anything. I'll wager he drops it. That'll be all I need. Another rap and I'll never get my parole. Uh, everything's going to be all right, Nick. I think I'll do a little checking on Pete Grizzo. Oh, say, if they start roughing you up here, you let me know. I can take care of myself. Fine. Goodbye, Nick. Goodbye. And don't worry about a thing. Yeah. Arthur, this is Earl Hauser. Let me speak to Tommy Udo. Okay, Mr. Hauser. Hello, Early. I want to see you, Tommy. Your office? No, the other place. You know where. I've got a little job for you, Tommy. Now, right away. Hauser speaking. This is Tommy. So ain't gonna squeal again for a long, long time. Good. Not too good. Newton town he skipped before he got there. And how do you know? Because he's gonna read something in the papers. His old lady, see? She's had an accident. Fell down the stairs. I think maybe she's dead. Oh. That's too bad. Reads about it, he's gonna keep moving. Well, just as long as you're sure, there isn't gonna be any more talking. Good work, Tommy. Any time, Ernie. Taking care of squealers, I really like. Yes? Is Nettie Cavallo at home? In just a minute, now see. Thanks. Oh, Nettie! Yes, Mrs. Keller. Isn't she ever been here to see you? 
So if there's a phone call for Nick Bianco, that's me. Will you call me, please? Sure, I'll call you. Thanks. Nick, Nick, I can hardly believe it. You're out, but when? They didn't tell me last week. I didn't know last week. Oh, it's wonderful to see you like this, like you used to be. I mean, not inside a jail or anything. I wanted to surprise you, Nettie. I, I was hoping you'd be home. Oh, and I almost went to the movies. Oh, Nick, what happened? I got a parole. No. Oh, that's wonderful. It... Nettie. Nettie. Come here. Oh, Nick. I love you so much. It's going to be all right, Nettie. Don't cry, honey. Just give me a little time. Nettie, will you... Will you marry me? Wait, wait. My kids. We'll have a home for the kids. A, a real home, Nettie. Oh, yes, a real home, darling. Telephone, Mr. Baron. Telephone? I'll be right down. Excuse me, Miss Nettie. Mr. Bianco, Nick. I thought you might be interested to know I had a call from Hauser. Just got word you'd been paroled. Wanted to do a little crowing. Hello? He thinks he got the parole over my dead body, and I let him go right on thinking so. Yeah. Nick, that man I spoke to you about, he'll be at the fights tonight. St. Nicholas Arena, ringside. Okay, I'll be there. Now don't mention a word about Rizzo or what happened to his mother. We're much more interested in that Larry Young murder. That's what we want to find out about. I'll see what I can do. Goodbye. Nick? I've got to leave. Nick, please, don't go away like this. I've got to. I don't want anything to happen, Nick. Look, you've got to trust well, me. Well, then tell me where you're going. I can't. Look, I, I don't want you to know. I thought you wanted me. I thought when you kissed look, me... Look, you, you thought right. I want you and I want the kids. But you've got to trust me, Daddy. I'm on a job and I might not see you for a while. Now, hey, 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 stop looking at me like that. Look at me the way you did upstairs. I'll need that look. Oh, Nick. That a girl. I'll see you as soon as I can, Nettie. Now, I still can't figure out how you spotted me over there at the fights, Tommy. I'm Tommy Udo. I got eyes in the back of my head. I'm a big man. <laughs> hey, Squirt, champagne was celebrating. Yes, Mr. Udo. Mr. Udo. <laughs> oh, you like that, huh? <laughs> it's class, huh? Would you like to dance, Mr. Bianco? No, he wouldn't like to dance. Just sit, Buster, and keep your mouth shut. Haven't I met you somewhere before, Mr. Bianco? I don't I said think don't so. stick I... your nose in. We're talking. We're pants. Champagne, Mr. Udo. No, no, no. That ain't gonna be enough. Bring some more. Lots of bottles. <laughs> don't you worry, big man. You'll be jumping in a couple hours. It's always hard in your biscuit, now. Hey, get a load of that music, huh? Sex, sex. Sounds great, huh? Sex, right upstairs. Right upstairs. <laughs> Always come here when I get sprung. Sex. Oh, what a big man at early hours, man. Remember what I told you, Nick? Take your rap and leave it to early. Always gets you out. <laughs> oh, that music, that music, that music. <laughs> come on, Jack. Stand it, Jack. Stand it, Jack. Beat it up, beat it up, beat it up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, What's coming up, Nick? What's on the line? Well, I haven't figured it out yet, Tommy. I've got to have some fun first. You know, I'm three years behind. Ned's talking, Ned's talking. You heard about me, didn't you? No. In all papers. 
pick me up for a murder rap. It was in all the papers. Yeah? Yeah, sure is. Hey, Buster. Sure, with this picture, the one I don't like. What do you mean you don't like? What's the matter with it? I like the one we took together. I don't like it when they show you with a number on. Yeah, who notices that lot of squids? Listen... Nick and me, we're going to be busy. Go home. Wait a minute. Who are you talking Get to? Get out. I'm with a pal, see? We don't want no old ladies around. You're not calling me an old lady. Get out. You want something? No, I... No, I... Go home and stay there, you hear? Okay, I'll... I'll, I'll go home. <laughs> <laughs> Things are no good if you want to have some fun. Come on, pal. Drink up here. Drink up. Drink up. Drink up. They, uh, let you go, huh, Tommy? Who? Oh, all the bulls. Sure, sure. There was a squirt says he seen me bending over Larry Young right after he got plugged. Then he says he ain't so sure it was me he seen. Larry Young, he used to own a big cafe, didn't he? A squirt. Pushing the wrong guys around. He got it good, Nick. Him and his college ring. College ring? A ring, a ring, a ring. What you wear on oh, your finger with a oh. couple of bucks. Oh. This joint's dead. It's sour. Let's go someplace where they got some interest. What do you say, Pear? I'm still three years behind, Tommy. That's it. Stick to me, big man. You catch up. Come on, we shake this dumb joint. We go uptown. You know, like you said, Mr. D'Angelo, at the fight. When they were over, we went to a cafe. What cafe? Where? Stassi's Club 66. After the girl left, Udo started to talk. He said he'd done the Larry Young killing. Alone? That's right, Mr. Shelby. He didn't know the guy that hired him. He never saw him before. Did he describe him? No, I couldn't push that. So you got nothing. Go on, Nick. Well, there were two things. He copped a ring off of Larry Young, a gold ring from some college. His girl's busters got it. But she never wears it. It's not worth anything except as sort of a souvenir. Then there's uh, a guy that saw the shooting. A fellow Udo called Sammy. Sort of a panhandler. Udo said that Sammy saw the shooting and beat it. Sammy who? I don't know his last name. Well, that does it. All we've got to do is find Sammy, produce the ring, and we've got a case. Congratulations, Nick. Yeah. You had quite a time, didn't you? Yeah. Wouldn't want to go through that again. I don't think you'll have to. That's all? That's all. You know, you might find out about Sammy by asking some of Larry Young's friends. Maybe we'll do that. Well, so long, Mr. D'Angelo. Oh, Nick, wait. Uh, everything all right? I'm going to be all right. You're going to get married, eh? That nutty girl? Yeah. And we're getting the kids out of the orphan home the first thing. That's fine, Nick. That's fine. Oh, uh, what about a job? I'll right? get a job. Well, maybe I can help you. Here's an address. I wrote it all down for you. It's not much of a job. Brickyard. But do you work there and there won't be any questions? You, uh, think you can take a brickyard? <laughs> After the pen? What do you think? I think maybe everything's gonna be okay. Uh, Nick, uh, that girl, does she know? That I'm a squealer? Yeah, she knows. I had to tell her. Yeah. Good luck, Nick. You know, Nettie, there may be worse jobs than in a brickyard, but there ain't any any dirtier. It must be awful. Yeah, that's not really awful. Hey, give me a towel. Here. Kids still roller skating? Yeah, they met me down at the corner. How they been today? Wonderful. 
As always. Anything wrong, Nettie? Oh, no, darling. Except worries me sometimes. What worries you? You. Working in that brickyard all day. Coming home every night to just nothing. Yeah, that's right. No excitement or anything? Every day, just like every other day. Nick, please, don't make me worry too much. But that's what I need. Someone to worry about me all the time. Don't you ever let me get away for one minute, honey. Or maybe I'll start busting at the jewelry stores with a rod in my hand. <laughs> Is that what you think? Oh, no, Nick, you wouldn't. Maybe I wouldn't, but you'd better hang on. Oh, I will. I'm mad about you, Nick. You're all I think of. I've loved you ever since I was a kid. And I feel the same way now as I did then. Every time you kiss me, I... Ah, that's pretty silly talk for an old married woman. No, it ain't. Well, get out of the kitchen. I gotta make dinner. I'll watch you. You go get the kids. They... Oh, I forgot. There's a telephone call for you. Who? Mr. D'Angelo. What did he want? He wants to see you Saturday afternoon. Did he say what for? No. It couldn't have been anything wrong, though. He was very nice. I haven't heard from D'Angelo in weeks. Something's cooking, Nettie. Something's gonna happen. Nick, we grabbed you two a few days ago. It goes to trial on Monday. I've arranged for you to get off from work. You said you had a sure case against you. Well, I wouldn't go to trial otherwise. Then what do you need me for? I need your evidence, Nick. I'm building my case that way. Evidence from a stoolie, a squealer? That's not going to help. We've got that ring. We've got Sammy. And they'll verify everything you say when we introduce them. Look, i got to go on the witness stand. Yes? What if I don't? You haven't any choice, Nick. You mean if I don't, the DA will kill my parole. What would you expect? Look, I've got kids. I've got a home up in Nyack. I don't care about myself, but why do you have to take it out on them just because I was a mug once? Will you listen to me? Go ahead. It makes no difference. I've got no other way out. You're talking like a fool. At your job in your town, you're known as Nick Cavallo. Your kids go to school under that name. Who's going to connect you with Nick Bianco and how? My picture's in the newspaper. We'll see that no pictures are taken. That'll help. Well, what's the matter then? Well, I... Nothing. I was just thinking of you, though. When you don't find out that I... Look, I know it's going to be pretty tough. It isn't going to be any fun. But remember this. When it's over, you'll be through. Clean. Yeah. That's something. I'll try and remember that when I'm on the witness stand looking at you, though. Conviction in Udo murder trial. Bianco testimony, vital blow to defense. Udo jury is still out. Verdict expected tonight. Hello? Nick? Yeah? D'Angelo. Nick, I, uh, I got bad news. The jury just came in. Udo, not guilty. Hello? Hello? I'm still here. Even the fact that Udo had Larry Young's college ring didn't help. How's it get over the point that there were 400 rings just like it made for Young's graduating class? The jury went for it. Not guilty. Udo went free as soon as the verdict was read. They got a tail on him, but he's, he's pretty fast. Udo might shake him, so keep your eyes open. He'll be looking for me. I squealed on him. I tried to send him to the chair. You better come in and see me tomorrow, Nick. We are ready to do everything we can to help you... Yeah. Goodbye, D'Angelo. 
Now for station identification. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Kiss of Death. Tonight it's our pleasure to introduce to you Miss Randy Stewart, young 20th Century Fox starlet, who, like so many successful screen players, began her career in the theater. A good preparation for the screen, isn't it, Randy? I think so, Mr. Keeley, and so do other Hollywood actresses. June Havoc, for instance, made her first great success in a New York musical. Uh, now she's playing an important dramatic part in 20th Century Fox's new production, Gentleman's Agreement. The day I dropped in to visit my friend June Havoc on the set, I was introduced to Dorothy McGuire and Gregory Peck, who played the leading roles. Both stars said how thrilling it was to appear in a picture that dramatizes the fight against intolerance. Without doubt, their portrayals helped Gentlemen's Agreement win the New York Critics Award for the Outstanding Picture of 1947. June Havoc proves she can handle a serious dramatic role, too. Yes, indeed. When I watched her do a scene with Gregory Peck, I was impressed again with her beauty. Mr. Kennedy, there's a Lux girl for you. Mm, indeed she is. June told me she never realized till she came to Hollywood how demanding camera close-ups can be. She was grateful that she'd always given her complexion the right kind of care. Nine out of ten Hollywood stars have discovered those gentle Lux soap facials really do the trick. They give million-dollar complexions such gentle, protecting care. Screen stars use their complexion soap as a bath soap, too. I just love that new bath-sized cake, Mr. Kennedy. Thank you, Miss Stewart. I'm sure women everywhere will be delighted with the new bath size Lux toilet soap. This generous big cake gives you lots of the rich, creamy Lux soap lather. Has the same delicate clinging perfume. For a truly luxurious beauty bath, try this new size. Look for the big bath size Lux toilet soap in the famous sampler wrapper when you go shopping tomorrow. We return you now to William Keeley. We continue with the third act of Kiss of Death, starring Victor Mature as Nick Bianco, Colleen Gray as Nettie, and Richard Widmark as Udo. A few hours ago, a psychopathic killer was given his freedom, and Nick Bianco knows that sooner or later, Tommy Udo will find him. It's late at night. And in his home, some 50 miles from New York, Nick enters the bedroom. Nick. Nick, where were you? I... I just went in the kids' room. I thought I heard something. Are they all right? Yeah. But I know I... Listen. Oh, that's just the screen door, Nick. The wind. You haven't slept all night. What is it? can't go to sleep, that's all. Ever since Mr. D'Angelo phoned. Nick, if something's happened, I'll read about it in the papers... Maybe I can help you. Just forget about it, will you, honey? You've been listening for something. All night you've been lying here listening for something. Yeah, you're right. You'll read about it in the papers. Maybe you can help me. They let Tommy Udo off. Oh, Nick. He's loose. After what you did. Yeah. Listen. Nick. I can't help it. I'm jumpy. It's... The police. We'll call them. The police can't help me. Look, honey, I gotta get up. I gotta go downstairs. Then I'll go with you, Nick. Nick, this isn't like you. For one thing, he doesn't know where we live. You'll find out. Not in time to come tonight. Nettie. 
I got to talk to you. No use hiding that he's going to come sometime. You can go away. Pete Rizzo went away. Remember what happened to Rizzo's mother? Tommy Udo did that. Yeah. We can all go away together, Nick. No. Some other town. No, too many mugs know me. All the heisters I've known since I was a kid, they don't stay in one place. They're in every town coming and going. The minute the minute they saw me, they go straight to you, though. Wherever we went, we'd be, well, we'd be just like this, waiting and sitting and waiting for it. What won't happen? We won't let it happen. Take it easy. It won't happen if you'll help me. Anything. Anything. Then start packing, Eddie. Turn out the lights. That's a car. Just the people next door. Start back. You and the kids. You take a train first thing in the morning. The country. I don't know where. Just someplace, anywhere, away from here. Stand away from the tracks, children. The train will be coming soon. We'll be careful, Natty. Not a soul around, Nick. There's a guy sitting in that car. He's probably waiting for the train. I'm going to find out. Nick. It's all right. I've got a gun. Watch the kids. Hey, buddy. You calling me? Yeah. Do you happen to know what time the number 12 gets in? Oh, I'm sorry, but I... Well, that sounds like it now. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Daddy, Daddy, the train's coming. Be careful. Stand back. Yeah, suitcases, Daddy. Nettie. Remember now. No letters until I call you. I can wire Mr. D'Angelo and tell him where we are. Yeah. Take care of the kids. Yes, ma'am. And your son. Nothing is going to happen. Let the kids think it's a vacation. I want them to have a good time, Nettie. And I know you'll always give them a good time. Can we get on the train now? Can we get right on? Yeah. Just give me one great big kiss. Goodbye, Daddy. Goodbye, Daddy. Look, I want you two to be good, you hear? And have fun. And always remember to mind Nettie. She's your ma and do what she says. Mm-hmm. We'll miss the train, Daddy. Up you go. Bye, Daddy. Bye. Bye, Daddy. Better get on, Nettie. Goodbye, darling. Since D'Angelo? Nick. 
Shelby, you're lost and wait in the car. Better give me that gun, Nick. Yeah. Why didn't you come to my office today like I told you? I had things to do. Sent your family to the country. Oh, so that was your guy in that car at the station. Yeah. Nick, a man lost you to early tonight. I came as soon as I heard. Sorry, but I've got to take you in. For what? For protection. I'll protect myself. It's him or me now. I can't connive with murder, Nick. Yours or his. Look, if it's me that gets him, it'll be self-defense. You're wrong. We haven't a thing on you, though, now. He was acquitted. If you kill him, the jury will call it murder. Use your head, Nick, and you'll be safe. My wife and kids won't be safe. What makes you think he'd go after them? Rizzo's mother. We can take care of your family, too. Yeah, you mean lock us all up for the rest of our lives? Only until Udo makes his next mistake. Until he knocks off somebody else. Until he does anything. He's a three-time loser. All we've got to do is catch him with a gun on him, then we can send him up for life. And suppose he don't make a mistake. He didn't the last time. You made the mistake. You had the perfect case and he beat you on it. You couldn't even keep a tail on him. He's nuts and he's smarter than you are. Sooner or later, he'll trip himself up. You've got to trust me a little bit. I'm through trusting you, the police, or anybody but me. There's only one way to get you to, and that's my way. I'm sorry, Nick, but you're under arrest. This gun, violation of parole. Well, I guess that's that, then. That's better. It won't appear on your record, Nick. You came to us for protection and we... I didn't want to do that, Mr. D'Angelo. I really didn't want to hit you, but that's the way it had to be. I'm finding you, though, myself. I don't think we got any tables tonight, Mr. Bianco. I'm not looking for a table. Is Tommy Udo here? No. Thanks. I'll see you again. Take a tip, Bianco. Don't ever... Side. I got a date here with Tommy Udo. Udo ain't here. Okay, I'll wait for him. Udo ain't here. Now, Paul. Hello? Mr. D'Angelo? Nick, where are you? We've got a general alarm Never on for you. that. I'm in town. I've been looking for Udo and I've found him. Where is he? I told you you were going to play this my way. Udo's my job, Nick. You keep out of this. Take it easy, Mr. D'Angelo. The only reason I'm calling you is that I may need some help. I want you to go to the 37th Precinct Police Station. Bring some men along. If my plan doesn't work, I'll be calling you there. How long will it take you to get uptown? About 20 minutes, but Nick, listen. Look, I'll give you a half hour. When you get to the police station, just wait for my call. Hey, you. I said, okay, if you want to use the telephone, Mr. but you're too late to eat. We close at 12. You see, there's nobody here. I'm looking for Tommy Udo. He's not here. I saw him come in a few minutes ago. Udo and a couple of others. They're in that room back there. Just tell him that Nick Bianco wants to see him. Well, the big man. <laughs> My pet. Hello, Tommy. Tommy, I gotta talk to you. Go ahead, talk. I'm listening. I like to talk to you, not these characters. Are you coming to ask you anything? My pair wants to talk to me. Go on, beat it, both of you. Well, wait over here, Tommy. Okay, pal, what's on your mind? 
I've got to square myself with you, Tommy. There's nothing to square. You're my pal. You're smart, too. I didn't know how smart till I saw you in court. You fooled me, Nick. And that takes a big man. Yeah, big man. Okay, play it straight, Tommy. I squeal on you. You got a right to be sore. Now, what are you going to do about it? I ain't going to do nothing. You did nothing to me. They let me off, didn't they? We're going right on being pals, you and me. We're going to have some fun together. Lots of fun. You got a wife and kids, ain't you, pal? Yeah. They're going to have some fun, too. I'm going to enjoy meeting your family. Lay off of them, Tommy. Why, huh? Kids like to have fun. You and me and your wife and your kids. From now on, lots of fun. I'm telling you, lay off of them. Is that all you got to say, Tommy? I thought you'd listen to reason. But if it's trouble you're looking for, you're going to get it. Leave me and my family alone, or maybe I ain't through singing. What of a tell? I'm clean. They can't try me twice on the same rap. No, no, not only are a young killing. Maybe I know some other tunes. While we were together, you told me a lot of things. You got your eyes full of smoke and you talk plenty just like the squirt that you are. You talked your fool head off and I ain't forgetting any of it. You saw her, pal. You gave me enough to burn you a hundred times over. If I can get the other witnesses to back me up. You even gave me a pretty good idea where to look for those other witnesses. Take your hand out of your pocket. You're dumb, you know, but you're not that dumb. You'd get life if they found a gun on you. Now remember this. Touch my family. And you will hear singing like you never heard before. Now beat it. Pedal your papers. Go on, blow! Luigi. Yes, yes, Mr. Yudo. This is my pal, Mr. Bianco. He's a big man, biggest man in town. I want to show him what I think of him. I want you to give him your Deluxe short dinner. Oh, but, Mr. Yudo, the, the kitchen is closed. Let go for this, Yes, yes, Mr. Yudo. Nothing's too good for my pal. Your best short dinner and a bottle of that good wine. Yes, right away, Mr. Yudo. Enjoy yourself, big man. Enjoy your dinner. Everything's on me. <laughs> <laughs> I just talked to Tommy Udo. I tried to scare him off, but it didn't work. There's only one thing for me to do now. I'm going to give him to you just the way you want him, with a gun in his hand. Nick, for the love of heaven, where are you? We'll come and get you. I'm setting him up for you, Mr. D'Angelo. He's waiting for me outside this place in the black sedan. I've needled him to the point where he's got to get me. It'll take you two minutes to get here. In exactly two minutes. I'm walking out to that black sedan. I'm having this call traced, Nick. You might as well tell me where you are. I'll tell you. Udo will shoot to kill. Maybe he does. Maybe he doesn't. Come in from both ends of the street. Forget the sirens or he'll throw his gun away. Now get it. The name of the place is Luigi's. It's on 125th Street, just around the corner from where you are. Luigi's, okay, Nick. Then come on, you've got exactly two minutes. Don't miss. Luigi's. 
Yes, yes. You, you dare me with Ferguson now. Here's yourself. Yes, something wrong, mister. Here. Gun? No, no. Why, you give me a gun. Take it. I won't need a gun anymore. Keep it as a souvenir. And in case anybody asks you, remember I gave it to you. your appetite, then you know what? You can go on over to www.attaboyclarence.com right now and watch the film itself because, yes, Kiss of Death is the brand spanking new film club choice. Just scroll down the homepage to the film club banner, click it and start watching now absolutely free, you lucky, lucky people. Well, it only remains for me to say thank you once again for joining me. I'll be back next week with another journey into classic movie slash radio land. If you are a patron of these shows, you'll soon be receiving another one of these exclusive and just for you. Look out for the email that will be landing in your inbox in the next few days. And if you'd like to become a patron, then keep listening and you'll find out how. And to everyone else, thank you for joining me. Love you all. Hope you have a wonderful leap year. And until next week, take very good care of yourselves. Bye for now. If you'd like to support this show, you can do so by going to www.attaboyclarence.com and clicking on the Patreon banner. Pledges start from as little as $1 a month, and in return you'll receive exclusive emails, bonus episodes, previews, and e-books. And every dollar pledged goes towards making these shows better and more frequent. Go to www.attaboyclarence.com or click the link in the show notes now.
to become a patron. Thank you. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.